episode of the Adam Talks podcast. It is going to be a solo episode today as it is every other week. Um, last week we had my daughter Lily on the show. Next week we have a very special guest, a guy I mentioned on the show. Uh, Glenn Lewis is going to be my special guest next week on the show. So be, be uh, sure to tune into that because that's, that's going to be a fun episode. We're going to talk all about all kinds of stuff, games, comic books, wrestling, I mean, just a bunch of stuff. Um, but this episode is going to be a little bit of a different episode uh, than, than I've done before. I'm going to kind of talk about my history uh, a little bit with you guys and kind of let you in on a little bit of stuff that maybe you don't know about me, and that's that's okay, you know, no big deal. Um, but... We're going to go ahead and get right into this stuff and make it happen. The first thing I really want to do is kind of give an encouraging message to y'all because, you know, this world is a shit show. We kind of live in it and it's really rough for a lot of people. And the thing I want to say is you're not alone. You know, it's not anything that anybody you know hasn't dealt with. Now, I'm not talking specifics, I'm just talking in general, you know, if you're depressed, I'm sure everybody's been there. If you're anxious, everybody definitely has been there. If you've taken a test of any kind, you've been anxious. Um, You know, if you're sad, everybody's been there. If you're mad, if you're furious, everybody has been where you've been. So you're definitely not alone in any kind of struggle. Since 2021 late 2021, I want to say November, December area, I've been seeing a therapist and I've been seeing him once a week and my God, he has helped me so much through so much crap that I've gone through in my life. (coughs) And, uh, I just wanted to kind of, if I can find a way to impart that wisdom that he's given me to you because, you know, Everybody's got somebody, for one. Like I said just a second ago, nobody's alone. And I think it's hard to keep that in mind a lot of times, you know? Uh, that you're not alone, that you're, you've are you got people around you. If, you've, if you're listening, excuse me, if you're listening to this 
podcast, then you have a way to connect to somebody. If you're listening to this podcast and you have a Facebook or you have a Twitter or you have a TikTok or whatever it is, Instagram even, you can message one of your friends on those apps and you can talk to them about things, you know? A family member even. It it doesn't matter. Even if you feel like no one will listen, trust me, there is somebody that will listen. And and shoot, if you need to talk to somebody, even if, if you want to talk to someone outside of your circle, I'm here. Shoot me a message on here. I mean, you can do that. That is not a problem. And I will send you back the best response I know how to. But going back to what I was saying about my therapist, he's imparted so much wisdom because I've gone through a whole bunch of crap in my life, especially over the past two years. I mean, I can't even, I can't even explain how much he's helped me. So I guess the thing I'll start with is a big thing people do is say what if about a lot of stuff. So you got these what ifs, you know, what if, what if I'm playing a show or something? What if I'm singing at a show and I mess up or forget my lines or I forget the chords that go next on my guitar pattern or, you know, forget what keys to play or my fingers fumble or what if I'm in a football game and I drop something or a basketball game and I miss the game winning shot? What if I make a bad choice that could ruin the rest of my life? by doing this one thing. There's a flip side of that, guys. There really is. You know, the what ifs are not always bad. What if you go into that concert and you completely rock out and you do the best possible thing you can and you get you uh, somebody notices you and a local record label signs you? I mean, what if you're in that football game and scouts are there and you make the game-winning touchdown pass or catch or run or game-saving tackle? game-saving interception. I mean, there's so many different things that you can flip it on. (laughs) I'm sorry, guys. It's allergy season, and I am... uh, For for me, it it comes in really heavy during seasonal changes. And right now, we're kind of... Where I live in Arkansas, it's it's an airplane, I think. But, uh... It sounds like a chopper, maybe. I, I don't know. Uh, I'm hoping if y'all are hearing it, you, you, you know, yeah, it's a chopper. But uh, anyway, I I hope that you guys can take that advice to not look at necessarily the darker side of things or the bad what is, but try to try to flip it on its head. It's all a big part of changing your mindset because if you're in this mindset that you want to think negatively, guess what? You're not going to think positively about anything. And I know depression has a big cause for that as well. And the depression side of things, it's a lot of, in my opinion, the things that helped me the most was talking about things. Because if I talked about things, I got it out. I didn't have to worry about holding all this pain and the struggle in that I've had. You know, anxiety is the fear of the unknown. And if you just don't know something and you're afraid of it, you're never going to be able to step forward. And it's easy to say, well, just don't be anxious. And that doesn't help anybody. It never helped a fucking soul. You know, no one, no one has ever been like, well, you know, if you were just not depressed, it'd be a lot easier for you. 
you know, if you just stop being so anxious about everything, stop being so worried, don't worry about it. And it's not that easy whenever you're worrying about things. I worry about things to this day whenever it comes to just trivial things. That concert thing, that was a real thing. You know, I, I've, I've wanted to, I'm a musician and I've wanted to play music for a while, you know, and, and sing and have concerts and all this great stuff, but I've never been able to get past my fear of what if something negative happens? What if I mess up or I, my voice cracks or, you know, I can't hit a note in a song that I wrote or even worse, what if I sing somebody else's song and I don't do it justice and everyone's like, boo. So you're not alone in that thought and I'm not perfect in any way. I'm I, Like I said, I go every week to therapy. I didn't yesterday but that's i i didn't uh this past monday but you know not yesterday i'm recording this on tuesday um right now and it's uh it's the tuesday after the episode my daughter's episode so i'm recording this on the tuesday and i didn't go Monday, this past Monday, I did not go to my therapy appointment because I got a new job. Um, I got reassigned to a new location because the contract ran out on my current, or the contract ran out where I was working before for the cleaning agency that I worked for. Getting off track. So... (coughs) The what-ifs will drive you up a wall. It will drive you completely nuts if you let them. But if you're able to change your mindset to think what if the good things happen, and trust me, I've been working on this for a while. I, I was so afraid to get in the ring for the first time, but I was ready to get in the ring. And that excitement, you know, the excitement overpowered the fear. And that's another thing that I, I got past through therapy, fear. Any fear-based thinking is not a good way of thinking. You're strong, you're brave, you are bold. Whether you believe it or not, you gotta stand up and say what you think and what you mean and do what you wanna do. Don't be afraid to talk to somebody and tell somebody what you think. Your opinion matters, it's your opinion. <clears throat> but also, don't be, you know, and I'm not here to tell you what to do, I'm giving you advice, you know. Also, don't be afraid uh, to don't be, don't be too big, not afraid. Don't be too big to sit down and actually open your ears and shut your mouth to listen to what the people say in response, because sometimes the the words they say are very positive are very good. And a lot of the times if you're go, if you go into a conversation thinking I'm right, you're not going to hear any of it. You're going to hear, Oh, they don't agree with me. And then you're going to go off on a tangent and think the worst again. Oh, they don't like me because they don't like my opinion. Oh, they don't they don't respect me because my opinion in their mind is wrong or my thoughts or my views. You got to go in with an open mind and that's a lot of that's a hard thing for a lot of people. A lot of people want to be boastful, they want to be big and braggadocious. They want to be able to say, "I'm right." And, and it's not always that, that's not always the case. The thing that I've learned through therapy is that 
you got two kind of major parts of your brain and you got the emotional and then you got the logical and a lot of people think emotionally and whenever you think emotionally it, it brings all these fear-based thoughts in it brings all this anxiety in because that's your emotions activating if you're able to slow yourself down even for a minute and think what are they saying and this has a lot to do with that listening to what people say thing that I was just talking about you know if you're able to slow yourself down and think, you know, maybe they're right. Or, or think, what should I do? Or what is the best course of action? Instead of just jumping in. Or instead of running. Take a minute. Take a beat. Breathe. Calm yourself. Do whatever it is that you need to do to make yourself relax. And just sit and think. What is it? that I need to do? Does this make sense what I'm planning on doing or what I'm about to do? Does it make sense? Is it the best possible choice that I could make? And most of the time, those choices will guide you in the right direction. Uh, a lot of the times, people are too afraid to do anything like that. A lot of the times, people are too in their own head to be able to get out of their head and just think with their logical mind. And I have to say, it is a thing you gotta train yourself to do. Because if you just go one day and you're like, I'm going to think with my logical brain and something big emotional happens, your emotions are just gonna take over. You know, you can't just decide on it. You gotta train your brain to be able to do that. And I've worked very hard, to, and I, I can honestly say that my first step in any kind of situation is, okay, what is going on, and what am I feeling right now? And as soon as I'm able to address the feeling, I question that feeling. Why am I feeling that way? You know, and that's, that's my logic taking over. It's not my emotions, because my emotion would say, I'm feeling scared. I need to do something about this now. And, and you can't. You can't do something about it now if you're not thinking clearly. Your logical side of your brain helps you think clearly. So break down your thoughts a little bit. You know, why am I feeling the way I'm feeling? What is really the root of this? And if it is something skin deep, calm yourself down. Think of the very best route possible. Question your decisions. And come to the best choice. If you narrow it down to two things, think about which one. It's going to cause the most pain to you because you deserve to not be in pain. <clears throat> Think about what's going to be the best choice for the whole situation as a, as a whole. Um, and, and I'll tell, go into a little bit of detail on my decision making here in a little bit. But whatever situation is, whether it's trivial, like football, whether it, or whether it's sports, or whether it's filming something, or whether it's... Playing a, uh, playing a game uh, with some friends or getting into a small argument with some people or whatever it may be. <coughs> Think of the very best choices you could have. What are the things that will diffuse the situation to help everybody relax, that will help everybody, including yourself, be calm and help nothing, uh, help to make sure nothing more comes of it than what already has. And make that choice a lot of the times it's really hard because like i said your emotions 
just want to take over. They want to run. Oh, no. Uh, oh, no. The kids are at school, and I have to go and pick them up, but I'm still at work, and I'm like 30 minutes away. What can you do in that situation? Well, you can call a couple people, see if they can go and get the kids. If there are names on your kid's school list, you can uh, call your boss, ask if you can get off a little bit early to go pick your kids up. You can uh, work with your boss to get you a better schedule. I mean, there's, there's a lot of different things uh, that you could do. But in that moment, what do you need to do? So the first step would probably be calling somebody and seeing if they could go. You see what I'm doing whenever I'm, I'm talking through this? I'm kind of figuring out the worst case scenarios or the best case scenarios I got. And then narrow it down even further by what exactly is happening at that moment. And it's something you can do with anything. I mean, there's not, there's not one thing you can't do that with in, in my thought process. If you're feeling depressed, I would say search those feelings and figure out what it is you're depressed about. If it's a general life situation, you need to talk to somebody. You need to find a therapist. And until you can get to a therapist... Um, until you can get to a therapist, you need to talk to some friends or your family, whoever your closest friend or family member is, and kind of just get with them and tell them, you know, I don't want to feel this way. I don't like this feeling. What can I do? Don't do anything to harm yourself. Don't do anything to harm yourself in any way, you know, whether that's drugs, whether that's drinking too much, whether that is cutting yourself, self-harm, whatever it is. Don't, don't choose those routes because you're worth more than that. Everybody is worth more than that. Everyone deserves to be loved and cared about and respected. And you got to start thinking of yourself in that light as well. It took me a long time to do that. And I think I'm going to go ahead and share my story with you guys now. So... I was born in 1990 here in Arkansas. I, uh, I was the first grandson on either side of my mom or dad's family. Three years after I was born, my little brother was born. He is now my big brother, my bigger, younger brother. He's 6'1", 200, and... 30, 240 pounds, something like that. And I'm 5'6 and 170 pounds. So there's your, there's your size comparison for us. But <clears throat> things weren't bright and rosy all the time. I want to say from... I want to say from about the ages of 5 to about 13, things were not rosy at all here at home. My mom and dad were always fighting. My dad drank a lot. And uh, he would say things when he was drunk that, you know, later he wouldn't remember and weren't the best things to say to children or your wife. It, it was just a bunch of really bad stuff. They didn't know how to communicate it as a couple. <clears throat> they didn't know how to compromise. They didn't know anything about how to be good to each other for the longest time and when I was six something happened and we ended up moving up to Jonesboro where my mom's family lives 
um, about a three-hour drive from Hot Springs, where I live. And we moved back after, I think, around a year. I'm not entirely sure. I can't remember. Um, and uh, we were here until uh, I was 13. And then a couple mistakes for myself and my mom and my dad kind of ended up putting me in a place that was not amazing. I ended up having to, uh, after several things that I sh that shouldn't have happened, um, I don't want to go into great detail about anything, but uh, after a couple things that shouldn't have ever happened, like I said, from both my part, my mom's and my dad's part, um, at 13, I got put in a mental institution um i love acting i'm gonna preface by saying that i love acting in films and stuff but because of this one thing i did i learned lying is not correct and just because you don't want to go to school does not mean you fake anything you don't play hooky you don't fake anything because uh, what happened was i i'd Missed a certain amount of days in a semester as I was in sixth grade. And I uh, got to where I didn't want to go to school. And I faked a mental breakdown and acted like I couldn't talk. So we went to this psychiatrist office here in Hot Springs at the Levi Hospital. And um, I, I continued to fake this panic attack where I couldn't talk. And it was all for a stupid reason. I didn't want to go to school. So she bought it. And she said I needed to go to this mental institution so they could check and see what was wrong with me. Why I wasn't able to talk. What kind of trauma I was going through or whatever. So I went up there. And I stayed for a week. They did an IQ test on me and... I ended up testing higher, getting a higher test score than my therapist that was there, my psychiatrist, which was something because I was 13 and he was a man, like grown man. So they ended up sending me back and then because of something that happened, I had to get taken away again for another two weeks to, and this time it wasn't on my part or my mom's part. It was on my dad's part, and like I said, I'm not going to go into de any details about any of this, uh, any great details about any of this, but because of something that happened, I ended up going to Washita Children's Center here in Hot Springs for two weeks, and I was away from my family for two weeks. Uh, I was away from my family for almost an entire month, and after that, I, I kind of made it up in my mind, it doesn't matter how bad I don't want to go to school, I'm going to school. Doesn't matter how much I don't like my teachers or how much help I wasn't getting because I have a learning disorder. You know, um, I'm still going to school. And my mom said the same thing. So I, I didn't fake getting being sick anymore. I didn't try to stay out of school. I went every day that I had to go. And, you know, we've grown up, we grew up without a ton of money. Like, we were at the lower end of the spectrum, I would say. Not like 
you know, poor, poor, but like we, we always had food. We always had things that we wanted or needed, but we didn't have money, money, you know? So we jumped forward throughout uh, my teen years. I was kind of this guy that would talk to all kinds of girls and get numbers. You know how teenagers are, 16 years old. You're brave, you're bold, you don't care. I am a 16-year-old teenager and I look good. All that stuff. I had the weird long hair that I'd flip around just like my brother did. and It was dumb. But it was, it was things all teenagers do. You know, all teenage boys do that sort of thing. So I was going through that. And then I met my currently ex-wife, my current ex-wife, the mother of my children. And we hit it off and we had, uh, we were dating off and on for two years. And after we were dating for like two years, we decided, you know, we're gonna, we're just gonna, we're just gonna kind of stay together. Well, she ended up getting pregnant and there's obvious reasons for that. You know, things happen and people get pregnant and things, you do things to get, you know, whenever you, whenever mommy and a daddy love each other, that, that was not it. We were having a lot of fun. Let me just say that. And then she got pregnant. We had our oldest child in 2010, got married in 2010. And, uh, you know, I didn't listen to anybody when they were talking to me about her. You know, they said a lot of people told me not to, you know, get with her. And I didn't listen. I stayed with her. We were together for 15 years. And the the 15 years that we were together were hell. There was a lot of things. There's a lot of reasons for that. And I went through depression. I went through really low points. I, uh, had a lot of negativity thrown at me. Um, and I felt very oppressed and it wasn't because of just being married or tied down. I, I was, I was happy that I was, that I had somebody that I could always be with. That's why I'm so happy now. I've been with my fiance for a year and like two or three months now. So, I mean, um, I'm, I'm very happy being a tied down guy. I don't ever have a problem with that. I don't want to go back to just date somebody, date somebody, date somebody, date somebody. You know, I don't want to go on dates. I like being with one person. I'm a one man. I'm a one woman man. I almost said one man woman. That's not true because I'm not a woman. Anyway, I'm a one woman man, and the oppression didn't didn't come from anything uh, having to do with that. It came from the way that I was treated throughout. And uh, I'll, I'll give you a couple small tidbits. I didn't get to hang out with my friends that often. She dictated almost everything that I did. And if I stepped out of line, things didn't go good. There was a lot of yelling and my kids went through stuff they should have never had to have gone through with us. Their mother is mentally ill and she has never really wanted to go get help for that. And that's kind of been her thing the entire time, you know. Uh, lean Lean on her mental disabilities 
And whenever anybody confronts her about it, oh, it's because of this, it's because, of, and, and no one ever said it was that. It was just, she never wanted to help herself. And ultimately that's, that's the reason why I left her because I couldn't put up with it anymore. 2021 rolls around. <clears throat> I, uh, I start seeing this therapist and by March, 2022, I had the bravery cause I lived in fear for 15 years. And I'm not talking about just being a little bit afraid of something. I'm talking about death, uh, deathly afraid of anything and everything. And my biggest fear was that she was going to take off and take the kids from me. And the last thing I want to say is specifics, uh, in specific, as far as specifics go with this is she threatened me several times to take the kids and leave if certain things weren't done. And a lot of stuff wasn't fair in that aspect. Um, The thing I, I guess the thing I, if I had to give an example, it would be my friend, two of my friends that I've mentioned on the show, Jesse and Mike, were both wanting to go and watch Spider-Man No Way Home when it came to theaters, and they offered to pay for me, and I talked to her, and she'd said, yes, that sounds okay. Well, it came time for me to leave, and she had a problem with me going. Uh, I said, look, I'm, I'm going to go anyways. And I went out to the car, I started the car up, and she said, if you leave to go and see that movie, when you get back, me and the kids won't be here. And that was just the kind of things that happened all the time. I ended up not going out of fear that she would leave. So, and take the kids. So, I lived in fear for a very, very long time of that mainly. I started seeing my therapist, and he helped me through a lot of thoughts, a lot of deep-rooted issues, a lot of things that I have, you know, had not, did not ever have the courage to stand up and say, I'm not okay with this, about, you know. I, I didn't have the courage to stand up and say, I, I, I'm not okay with any of this. And anytime I did, I got knocked to the ground verbally. So 2021 comes around, the beginning of 2021, and I uh, I uh, decided that it was time for me to uh, end this. So roundabout way, um, ended up telling her that I was not happy with the situation, and we ended up parting ways. And between... I think it was March, between March and June, I made um, mistakes that that I regretted. I made a mistake, uh, two mistakes that I regretted because I was unhappy, like I said, with Mer- uh, with with their mom the entire time. Uh, not the entire time, but like a maj- let's see about two years in, two thousand twelve. From 2012 to 2021, I was very unhappy with the situation that I was in. So about, I don't know, 10 years, I guess, I was very unhappy. And uh, I uh, 
made some bad choices throughout that, and I, I talked to some girls online and this and that, and I'm not proud to say any of this, but it's part of the healing. You know, it's part of the, it's always been part of the helping me through things uh, that I was not uh, the best person at times. And like I said, I'm not proud to say any of this, but I I am willing to share this stuff with you as far as my journey goes. Um, So I, I cheated on her a couple times online, talked to some girls, traded pictures, this and that. And it wasn't the best thing. You know, it was really bad. It was not something I'm proud of. And, uh, so I split up with her, 2022, March-ish. And I started talking to this girl who was younger than visually was very nice. Um, what I mean by that is she was, huh? Yeah. That was my dad. Um, Visually, it did not look good for me. Because I have two children. One's going to be 13. One's going to be 8 this September. And I was talking to a 17-year-old who was going to be 18 in October of last year. And, you know, I... It started off, we were friends from work, and it just kind of, I guess, gradually grew into something else. And it was some, it's something that I definitely uh, am not proud of. It was a mistake that I made that I, I wouldn't do again. Um, I would never do again, you know. And it was something that... I uh, was not very, I'm not very happy about looking back because, well, for one, the visuals is terrible. 33 and 17, not a good look. <clears throat> the other thing was that uh, I, I didn't think about the uh, difference in mentality. So at 17, 18 even, you don't know what you want. I remember when I was 17, 18 years old, I wanted to be in the party house. I wanted to just drink and smoke weed and, you know, have parties at the house with my best friend Cameron. We were wanting to move in together. Looking back from that to now, that is not anywhere close to what I want to be. I'm not a partier. I don't like parties. I don't like big groups of people. I'd rather just be a couple good friends hanging out, you know. Um, It's not my thing to have a giant amount of people in one spot drinking and smoking and stuff like that because it's kind of what I grew up with from you know five to ten years old uh uh, five to twelve we go hang out with my uh hang out with family and go to these parties and it was just a bunch of drunk people basically and it scared me as a kid and I never wanted to be that so I didn't think about the age, or not the age, but I didn't think about the mental gap as far as how much a brain develops in this time. My therapist kind of cleared that up for me and made me think. I was like, holy crap, I didn't even think about that. So that went on from, I want to say, March or April to June. Uh, 
and you know I, I didn't get treated right in that like I said the mental age gap is big I got you know kind of screwed over twice and in the end it was a good thing that it ended uh, not only because of the visuals not only because of the uh, mental age gap but also because in June I met the woman I'm with now and she is just the best. She's wonderful to me and the kids. And I would have never got to experience any of the stuff that I've experienced um, if it hadn't been for her. Um, you know, I, I would have never got to be truly open with someone or happy with someone if it hadn't been for the woman I'm with right now. So <clears throat> that's kind of a light version of my journey. And I know it took almost 20 minutes to tell it, but I'm 33. So you got to kind of think it's, it'll take a little while for me to get through that store, through that uh, journey. Um, but yeah, uh, <clears throat> that, that's my story um, from the ground up, just a very light version of it. Now I think I'm going to go into a little bit lighter stuff and uh, talk to y'all a little bit about some things that I, uh, some, something that I've been interested in since I was uh, seven years old, and that's pro wrestling. So, as far as pro wrestling goes, I have two major influences, and I'm not talking about in the business, I'm talking about two major influences that got me into pro wrestling. My dad and my uncle. My uncle's no longer with us. He died, I think, two or three years ago. And it was very hard for me. Um, my uncle was my second dad. So, um, basically, I, I think... It all started in like 2000, or not 2000, 1997. I was seven years old. And my dad would be flipping back and forth between WCW, Monday Night Nitro, and WWF Raw. And, and that's kind of where I was introduced to this world of giants, of superheroes that were not really superheroes. Uh, ordinary men doing extra, extraordinary things. You know, I was introduced to a world that I had no clue existed and it was something that I have never ever been able to stop thinking about because at seven years old watching a tiny guy like Rey Mysterio Jr. in WCW a guy who is now a WWE Hall of Famer watching them at seven years old fly around that ring standing about five, six, five, five, around the same height as me, you know, it amazed the hell out of me. Being able to see somebody my size, of course, I was way smaller then because I was seven years old, but seeing a small guy like me flying around this ring doing unbelievable, unimaginable things was next to none as far as how and and whoa i can't even put it into words 
how cool it was. But seeing him do his thing and seeing the guy that would really put a staple on me in WCW, because I was a diehard WCW guy. I was not the biggest WWF fan, and I'm not afraid to say that. You know, I, I would much rather watch Nitro than watched Raw. And I believe we stayed on Nitro a lot more. I can't really remember, but it was a really good time, you know. And the guy has his own guru, uh, has his own, uh, not guru, has his own yoga thing now. And his name is Diamond Dallas Page, the master of the diamond cutter. And the diamond cutter is a really awesome move if you've watched any kind of youtube shorts about randy orton or tiktok videos uh where they do compilations of rkos out of nowhere or anything like that and they even have comedic ones where it's like people are falling down and randy orton just pops out of the side of the frame and uh rkos these people whether it's their face planting on the ground off a skateboard or anything you know rko out of nowhere you know that is a version of the diamond cutter so if you've seen an rko you know what a diamond cutter is um ddp diamond dallas page was known as the people's champion in wcw and it's because he was the every man hero he was the guy that was like everyone else he just, he just wore blue jeans and a tank top out to the ring he had elbow pads, knee pads, boots, and wrist tape on and stuff, but he was he was the guy that you could relate to because he was the most personable guy on the WCW roster, in my opinion, and I wanted to be like him, you know, from, from seeing him do these moves, seeing him fight with Randy Savage, having that feud was just the best thing ever in my thoughts, you know, I was so excited every Monday to go in there and watch that with Dad. Uh, we'd sit in the living room and dad would have a block of cheese and he'd cut little pieces of this sharp cheddar or mild cheddar, whatever it was. And he'd just hand me a piece of cheese. We'd sit and watch wrestling. He'd drink a beer and we'd eat cheese together. It was great. You know, it was one of those memories and it, it, you know, it may not sound like a lot to the listener, to you guys, but those memories mean everything to me, you know, um, you fast forward just a couple of years to like 2000 or to like, yeah, like 2000 area, 1999, 98, my uncle Greg would give me WCW and WWF and ECW VHS tapes. And I was exposed to all of these cool things by him. He was the guy that got me into doing impressions as well, which another reason why he was a big staple in my life, you know. He 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 was a very cool guy and I wrote a song a little while back, kind of going off on a tangent, but that's okay. I wrote a song a little while back called It'll Be Okay and it's a country song and there's a verse in it. Uh the very first verse goes my daddy taught me what hard work was from the time I was young. My uncle showed me that it's okay to be different and have fun. 
And that different and have fun part was my uncle that I'm talking about, my uncle Greg. He, he showed me that you can be weird, you can be a child, you can love doing impressions, you can love drawing, and it didn't matter how old you were. So he kind of showed me that it was all right not to grow up whenever you grow up, you know. Not not to say that he was not an adult. He didn't. Not to say that he didn't take care of bills or anything like that, because he did. He, he did everything an adult does, but the thing I got from him the most is, you know, don't be afraid to be a kid. And wrestling kind of keeps me in that kid mentality. Um, so you fast forward a couple years. You go to 2005. WrestleMania 21. The very first WrestleMania I saw was my favorite and still is my favorite WrestleMania. I thought there were so many cool matches on there. Uh, from, you know, uh, The Undertaker and Randy Orton. Because Randy Orton... Was my favorite in WWE at that time. John Cena and JBL, uh, Batista and Triple H. Uh, you had the first ever Money in the Bank ladder match. Uh, you had uh, Kurt Angle and Shawn Michaels. Uh, I mean, there were so many really good matches on that show that I absolutely adored, and I still look back with fondness of today. Uh, and, you know, if, if you jump forward even further from there to 2007, when WrestleMania 23 happened, I mean, it's the same sort of thing. You know, you got The Undertaker versus Batista in the main event. You got Shawn Michaels and John Cena uh, in the main in the co-main event as well. Uh, Money in the Bank ladder match, yet again. Uh, there were, I don't know. I can't remember all the matches on this car, on that card, but there were so many really good matches back then, and that's whenever John Cena was in his prime. That's before John Cena sucks. You know, that's before that. That's before Randy Orton was a viper. He was still a legend killer at that time. Mr. Kennedy was in there. Uh, Hornswoggle. Uh, you know, this is before, I believe before The Miz was even in WWE, which is a while back, you know. It, it was a really good time back then and it was it, it was an awesome time to be a wrestling fan but at that same hand you know I wouldn't just want to be a wrestling fan like I said I had a dream so me and some of my friends got together we got a whole bunch of mattresses you know kind of put them together and uh, it was me my best friend Cameron my brother uh, and our cousin Cody and we became the four pillars of a company that would be, come to be known as the SCCW. Um, we uh, started this backyard wrestling organization as four kids with a dream, you know. And later we had, I think, the, the most people I think I had on the roster at one a single time was 12 people. And I don't know if I can name them all off right now or not, but I can try. So we had me as the five-star kid. My brother was the flying Hawaiian. My friend Cameron was B-Wired. My cousin Cody was Easy Slick. Um, we had his brother, who was Gat9 or Camo Jammer, uh, depending on which incarnation you wanted to go with of him. Because he, uh, he, he switched his character up, uh, I think, halfway through the run. Uh, Cameron's younger brother uh, was Stryker. Then we had 
uh, another good friend of mine, Daniel, he was the beast. Um, his younger brother, Isaac, was the fugitive. Then uh, we had my friend Kyle, who was uh, Axe, uh, Axe Richardson, whichever one, I can't remember how, what he went by at the time. And uh, I'm trying to think. Uh, I think that's all of them, but that's only like, I think I want to say it's like eight eight people or something like that, but that's still a very big amount for a very small promotion that didn't do anything other than YouTube videos, you know? And we didn't know shit about wrestling, apart from we liked it, and we didn't want to hurt each other, and we wanted to, to make our shows be as cool as possible. And if you go and watch this documentary, um, if you go to the SCCW Facebook page, and you watch the SCCW Timelines video, you'll see that mattress arena that I was talking about out in the yard, and you'll see very old clips from 2007 of myself with long hair, my brother with long hair, my cousin Cody and my best friend Cam, one of my, yeah, my best friend Cameron, all of us out there wrestling on these mattresses and stuff. And that went on for two years. Um, it started with us four, and then those other people came in later when we moved into the living room and did uh, matches in the living room. Uh, in the indoor arena is what we called it. But that kind of stopped it at 09 and went away. And it really sucked. To me, I was hurt because I felt like my friends just didn't want to do anything I wanted to do. But that was the exact opposite of it, you know. They did it because they because they knew I wanted to do it. They stopped because they were tired of doing it. And I didn't know how to accept that for the longest time. You know, I felt like people just walked away from everything. And that's not at all what it was. It was just fatigue. It was tired of wrestling all the time. It was tired of throwing each other around on mattresses and stuff and... And I, I understood that once I got older. But we jumped forward in time to 2012, and we tried bringing it back with a guy that's going to be on the podcast next week, Glenn Lewis. He, he's known as Jeremy Lewis in wrestling. So he, uh, he came in as the boss of the company once we re revamped everything, him and this other wrestler who I'm not going to name, I'm not going to say who it is, but and, and him, them two and my friend Neil were all part of the company at the time. And we, we had a really good time for, I want to say a year. We didn't wrestle. We did a lot of promos. We did a lot of skits, but we didn't wrestle because we didn't have anywhere to wrestle. If you jump forward four more years to 2016, we had the reviving of the SCCW. And of course, uh, if, you, if you don't know, which I'm sure you don't, it was going under a different name. So if you go back and you watch any of our old stuff, you'll see CWA Fever Pitch. And that was during this time. We had, I think, two mattresses, and it was me and this guy named Hardcore Hayden. And we went back and forth for the longest time, uh, a whole year. Uh, I think we had four events or four shows that we did, but they weren't 
shows. They were like episodes of this YouTube show again. And uh, we had three matches, I want to say, throughout that time. Two or three matches. And it was a really cool time, you know. We were able to bring back the company and revive it. And from 2016 to 2021, we slowly began the transition to SCCW. Spa City Championship Wrestling. And from 2018 to 2021, we had a very, very stacked roster. It was very good. And I say very stacked as if there's like 20 people on there, but there is not. There's like probably the same amount that I had before. We had myself. We had Jeremy Lewis. We had the Gremlin. We had Marcus Woods, Wayne McNeil, Trent Connors, uh, two other guys that I'm not going to mention. One of them came back from that. Uh, both of them came from that time before. Uh, and then, uh, the flying Hawaiian came back and a new guy named the Lynx came in. So we had a very good roster from that, from that time. And there were several really good feuds and, uh, 2018 to 2021 was a good three year run for the SCCW. And I'm not going to say that it's completely dead right now because I don't know the future, but as of right now, the company is at a standstill we haven't done anything since 2021. Well, 2022 came rolling around, and I have been training off and on since 2018 with uh, Aztec Warrior Professional Wrestling Training. And I got Jeremy Lewis into it, and Marcus Woods and Wayne McNeil came to one training session as well. Uh, Marcus Woods actually has came to, I think, three different training sessions since then. Excuse me. Um, but Marcus Woods has came to, I think, three training sessions total. Wayne McNeil went to one, and myself and Jeremy Lewis have the most experience actively in ring uh, at the point of 2022. Well, the October uh, fight night show for South Central Wrestling in Mountain Pine came around, and Jeremy Lewis, Glenn, and myself got the nod to have our very first professional wrestling match against each other. And I tell you how I was so nervous going into that match, but I was excited. And as I said way earlier, uh, at the very beginning of this show, my excitement outweighed my nervousness. And it was an experience like none other. I mean, there was no experience I could think of that was like the rush that I got doing that. Since then, I've wrestled four more times professionally and three of those matches were scw matches and two of them the last two matches i've had were for the iwf out of fort smith uh impact wrestling federation not to be confused with impact wrestling but impact wrestling federation as old school wwf scribbled iwf letters and I've had two matches with them, and I won my last match at Comic-Con in Fort Smith in June. And it was the most gratifying feeling. The most I was very grateful in winning that uh, to the people that, that gave me the opportunity to. Because up until that point, I had not won a single professional wrestling match. And it sucks. That, that I didn't win very many pro wrestling matches, and, and that's okay. You know, there's there's nothing wrong with that. 
Uh, I'm not in charge of any of that, so I'll do whatever the booker tells me to or the people that book the show, you know. I, I'll, I'll do whatever they say I need to do. I've never had a problem with following the rules, instructions, knowing what I'm doing. But it was such a, a gratifying feeling to win that first match. Um, and now I'm able to help them a little bit. They're letting me help them, give them ideas for the future, different shows, different feuds, this and that. It's really awesome, you know? But that that's... I started re-watching, started watching wrestling, I guess, again in 2018, off and on when I could, you know? Because a lot of the times we didn't, we don't have, uh, we, we don't have satellite, I don't have Hulu, I don't have Peacock, so I can't really watch any WWE stuff. I don't have TNT on anything, so I can't watch any AEW stuff. Uh, so, I mean, and there is other promotions like Impact, MLW, and uh, what is the other one? Uh, New Japan, but I'm interested in AEW and WWE, and I'm not able to watch any of that, so I watch mainly just highlights on YouTube. But as far as my wrestling history, that is my entire wrestling history from ground up. So now I'm going to go into something that I, I find I hold really close to my heart. It is Shirley Boy Entertainment. And I recently uploaded a video. Uh, we did a video on Facebook. And if it's not on YouTube or TikTok, it will be shortly. But it's around a 15 to 20 minute video. And it's just giving you the content lineup from the beginning of this year, 2023 to the end of next year, 2024 stuff that we've already released and stuff that we're planning on having done by the end of next year. And that includes this podcast. So go and check that out. If you haven't Shirley boy entertainment, um, I'm going to go ahead and, you know, give you a little history lesson on, on it. Um, it started off as music, and if I'm being honest, it didn't have the name Shirley Boy Entertainment till around 2012, 2013. It was known as Reaper Records or Reaper Pictures, uh, depending on which project, which thing I was trying to do. You know, if I was doing a movie, it was Reaper Pictures. If it was a, or if I was trying to do a short film or a movie or anything like that, or if I planned on it, it was Reaper Pictures. But if it was music, it was Reaper Records, and. Reaper Records was around from like 2008 to 2013, I want to say, 12. That was um, when I was a uh, I was a juggalo. If you know who the Insane Clown Posse is and Psychopathic Records, and you know what a juggalo is. I painted my face up, did all kinds of stuff. And I still listen to their music, but... Uh, not as much, you know. I still interact with the fan base and all that as far as their stuff goes. I have friends who are juggalos that I say whoop whoop to or, you know, whatever. Um, but I'm not a like hardcore juggalo, you know what I mean? Uh, I'm, I'm a casual juggalo. <laughs> I don't know if that makes sense or not. But anyway, uh, I used to rap. From 2008 to 2013, I went under the name The Violent Insane Psychopath, VIP. So, I would do all of these raps. I'd make, uh, I think my first CD I burned was on uh, 
a mic, I had a microphone and I sat it next to a speaker and I played these beats that I found online that I had downloaded through, okay, this is going to show how old I am, uh, through LimeWire or FrostWire, either one. I, I download these cool beats that I liked and I would just rap over them. So I had a whole bunch of different songs that I had done throughout that time period. Uh, I think the first one that I did, I had like six songs on, or, or four, four or six songs on. And then by the end of it, I had had 12, 13 songs total. Um, and then I made a whole CD in 2012. Uh, I, I don't have the CD anymore, but they were all original beats. I finally got a beat maker got a way to make my own instrumentals and stuff like that so I, I went and made my own music and wrote my own raps I, I still do rap sometimes but it's only whenever I'm very emotionally down or feeling stressed or angry and I haven't had to do that but twice in the past year uh, almost two years since uh, split up with uh, the kid's mom you know I've made two rap songs. One's called Losing Sleep and one's called Feelings Inside. And uh, they're both really deep songs about how I feel about a lot of, how I felt at the time about a lot of things. And, you know, I, I really like those songs a lot, but it's just not me anymore. But after 2012, 2013, I can't remember what year, that's why I keep saying that. Um, we switched to Shirley Boy Entertainment. So everything could be under one logo, one solid thing, you know? And Shirley Boy Entertainment was our uh, brand. And that, that full CD I made was the first CD uh, from VIP, was the first CD I made under Shirley Boy Entertainment. And... It's, uh, I have one of my songs on there, on YouTube. If, if you were to go to the Monumental Entertainment page and look, uh, look up, uh, on YouTube, if you go to Monumental Entertainment, you go through the videos, you will see a red album cover with, uh, red letters that say Violent Insane Psychopath and Slaughterhouse. That was the name of the album. Um, and I can't remember the name of the song, but, uh, it is on there. You can go and listen to that song. So just a little tidbit, you can go and check that out if you wanted to. I also did Christian rap. So there's another song on there from the Christian rap album that I was trying to make as well. Um, but we went to Shirley Boy Entertainment because I wanted to do movies. I had been wanting to do movies since I was 16. So we kind of did, you know, fiddled with the idea of doing movies and this and that. And before I was able to do any movies, I found this app that it's actually the app we're on now, but it was called anchor at the time. And I found this app and I made so many different, uh, episodes of podcasts on there. Like I had wrestling podcasts. I had inner, uh, music podcasts, talking with famous people, voices in my head podcast, 
the Adam and Andy show, whatever. I can't remember. So many episodes of podcasts were on there. And it was something that I had so much fun doing. And it gave me the opportunity to release a audio drama series called The Ace Chronicles. That was uh, 12 episodes long or 11 and ended up being around two hours in length, which was excellent. You know, it was really cool. But it, it gave me the opportunity to do all kinds of things. A- after doing that for a little bit, I had this idea for a character that I wanted to make a, a Facebook or a YouTube series called The Hoodie. And I did that. I made a three episode mini series called The Hooded Man, or called The Hoodie. Sorry, The Hooded Man is the rebooted movie from The Hoodie uh, that's coming out next June. So keep an eye out for that. Anyway, um, the hooded, uh, the hoodie series, mini series. We had a story of these two brothers, that uh, Caleb Cross and uh, what is his name, Lucas Black, uh, and they saw their dad and stepfather, um, Jackson Black, commit a mob style shooting. Uh, or execution, not shooting. A mob style, well, he shot him, but a mob style execution on this guy with a bag over his head. And it changed them. It made them change. And we had plans for a nine or a ten episode series, each episode being about seven minutes long. We got three episodes in, and the lead actor stopped coming around as much, like, at, if at all. So we kind of had to just kind of revamp and replan and re-strategize what we were going to do. But the the series, or the miniseries, was going to have Caleb, who became the hoodie, and his brother Lucas, who became a, a guy called Wildcard, a little bit more loose cannon, a little bit more angry. He's not able to control his anger as easy as uh, as uh, Caleb is, you know. Have them take on this gang leader uh, named the Grim King for the house. Uh, he, he's a he leads this gang called the House of Cards, and. We were going to have him take on, uh, or them take him on and try to stop him. By the end of it, they were going to end up taking him down and beating him. And their dad had been missing this whole show. And we were going to have this story where they they weren't sure what happened to their dad because he just left and didn't come back around. But by the in the very last episode, leading to the next season of it, we were going to have their dad walk around the corner and just kind of clap his hands and be like, that's my boys. You know, after they had relaxed, after they were like, they're like, we did it. We finally won. This is awesome. This is great. And they let their guard down and their dad comes walking around the corner and he's like, my boys, I'm so proud of you. And he goes under the name of Blackjack. So it was going to be a very cool series. It was going to be something that I I thought everyone would have really dug 
really would have got into and liked, but it, it just wasn't meant to be. And uh, after that, you know, we did, I think, four or five short films. Them, which is a uh, infection, Resident Evil, uh, Dawn of the Dead style uh, short film. Uh, Hurt, which is a drama about a mother and a father losing their son and uh, the mother's brother in a car accident. And uh, then we did a thriller horror style movie called Trip to the Woods, uh, which these two brothers went out hunting squirrels and one brother went missing. And, you know, it got dark out and the other brother hadn't heard from his brother. You know, he he didn't, he hadn't heard from his brother the whole time they were out there. And once it got dark, he called him and it just kept ringing and ringing and nothing happened. So he wakes up the next morning and his phone has no missed calls or anything like that. And he's worried and concerned, so he drives back out to the area where his, him and his brother were hunting, and he knocks on doors asking, have you seen this, have you seen my brother? He looks like this, and he has a picture, and they say, no, they sure, they haven't, you know? So he goes looking for him again out in the woods, trying to retrace their steps, and ends up finding his phone, and there's blood on it. And the guy, and uh, he gets knocked out by this guy, and... Uh, wakes up tied to a tree and like comes to and he's tied to a tree not wakes up but he comes to and he's tied to a tree after being knocked out you know and he looks over and he sees his brother and the guy has killed his brother and the guy who killed his brother and has put him uh strapped him to a tree with a belt tied him up with a belt whatever it was i can't remember he said he did that because it's holy land and god asked him to do this you know to keep the land holy and he sees any outsider coming in as unholy or as uh a a dirty stain on his land keeping the god he's not keeping god's land clean if these outsiders are coming in so he ends up killing that uh, the other brother as well. Then we did three movies that I call the Syndazine Saga, which is Punchline, Detective, and Doctor's Orders. And Punchline's about this guy named Craig Jones, who has a mental disorder, and in the movie it shows him as a drunk. It shows him getting beat up, and this movie came out before the Joker movie came out, if I'm not mistaken. So nothing was known about the Joker movie. But you see him get beat up, gets mugged on the side of the road. And by the end of the movie, he completely changes into this killer with a mask on. And he tells this big story about his dad and how him and his dad were really close and this other stuff and none of it really matters because he's an unreliable narrator you jump forward to the detective movie and the detective is a guy named James McCarthy and he uh, 
him and his partner go out uh, on call and they get this call in about gunshots heard and they go and check it out and his partner Johnny Rollins runs into this building and gets killed because he doesn't wait for James James to come in there you know he doesn't wait for James McCarthy uh, the detective character to come in uh, he doesn't wait for backup he just runs in full head of steam doesn't make a plan and he gets killed so once his partner gets killed James has to go through six months of uh, or he's not it's not exact time frame but he has to go through this time where he's not allowed to work for the police force until he passes a mental evaluation um, in the end he goes to this house after hearing a call on his radio and this girl's gone missing and her brother had been killed in the house he finds this girl in an abandoned house and Craig Jones the punchline has this little girl held at knife point and the detective walks in and he points the gun at him and he says, let the girl go. Punchline lets the girl go. And the detective kind of ushers her out the door and as he turns to see her out, Punchline knocks him down and leaves. And once he leaves, that's kind of the end of the movie. And Doctor's Orders is where the detective becomes the vigilante known as Detective. He has, he's a former SWAT team member, and uh, he has the helmet, he has a vest, he has a leather jacket on, he carries a gun around, and him and Punchline kind of have it out in this movie. It shows Punchline killing several people, and he's talking to their bodies after he kills them, saying that he, he just, you know... He's really happy you got to hang out with them and talk to them and spend time with them. But he's got to go. You know, he's got more things he has to do, more people he has to see. And he kind of leaves. And his slogan is, good evening, or have a good evening. So he end up, ends up luring Detective back to the place where they first met, where that girl was taken in that house. He ends up luring him back there and they have a fight scene. The detective ends up coming out on top just as the police are arriving. So the whole trilogy was, it was all right, but it wasn't, you know, it, it wasn't necessarily the best thing in the world. It was cool for its time, but it wasn't the very best we could have done. So that's kind of the brief history of what we've done but our current plans that we have so we've released a movie in February called The Brothers Movie on YouTube go check it out it's really good it's on Shirley Boy Entertainment's page everything I'm talking about you can go and check out on Shirley Boy Entertainment's page or uh, uh, or you will be able to let's just say that so The Brothers Movie is about two is about a detective and his brother they're twins and one is uh, named their uh, their names are Donnie and Tony DeLuca, and Donnie is a police officer, and Tony is a uh, criminal that works for Black Diamond, which is a gang. 
in this city that they're in. And the captain of this, uh, the captain, uh, the police captain tells Donnie to go and, you know, try to see if he can figure out what's going on. He wants to know how they're moving their drugs, this, that, and the other. And Donnie knows Tony's a part of that gang, so he goes and tries to talk to him and reason with him, and it doesn't end up working. Well, a little bit more into the film, Donnie's working on something on his computer, and Tony ends up calling him and says, hey, I want to talk to you about stuff. I was kind of shitty to you the, uh, before when we talked. So they end up talking, and Donnie, or Tony gives up names, or gives up the name of the leader and kind of tells him what he knows as a new member. He doesn't know a lot, but he gives him what he knows. And Tony pays the price for that with his life from the gang leader. Uh, and Donnie gets a call from the gang leader because uh, he takes Tony's phone and calls Donnie. So Donnie goes and meets up with him. and uh, It's just a really good movie. I don't want to spoil the ending for you. But it's like a 30-minute movie. It's our longest film that we've done so far it's really good this podcast you're listening to it now i don't really have to tell you about that but it it started a little while back uh we're in episode four right now or yeah four right now five right now wow we're at episode five right now so i mean it's just going to keep going plus our subscription service is going to kick off hopefully sometime soon we'll be able to do exclusive content for you guys uh, keep an eye right here for more things like that. Uh, let's see. In, uh, let me see here. I have the, I have the list. Just give me a second. I'm pulling, pull it up, Jamie. All right. So we're going to pull up the content list. So in September, we got that documentary, uh, series. We're bringing back the SCCW timelines documentary which is the one i told y'all about earlier the history of the sccw we're going to bring it back to shirley boy entertainment and either reboot it or just start making it the way it was you know continue it from where it was in september also in december we got a uh our first fan fiction audio drama and it's taking place right uh five years after uh, the events of Zack Snyder's Justice League. We're looking at what's going on with Batman in a audio drama called Gotham Knight. So that's going to be really cool to, to check out. Next year in February, we got a, a drama that we're going to be doing. We don't know if it's going to be an audio drama or a movie, but it, it's called Grief, and it's dealing with a guy who loses his wife in a car accident, and you get to watch him go through the healing process um, in this movie. Uh, April, we have a thing that we've done in the past, which is the Ace Chronicles. We're going to package it together as one whole audio drama. It should be an hour to two hours in length. And it's going to be a one package for you to just chill and listen to the whole thing all in one thing. You don't have to listen to episodes. You ain't got to worry about buffering or loading. Uh, as far as episodes go, it'll all be right there for you. Then in June and November, we have the first two movies of the Heroverse reboot. Starting with The Hooded Man, a completely different story about the same character, The Hooded Man, The Hoodie, Caleb Cross, 
dealing with the House of Cards gang, but it's a different story than what I told you earlier. It's way different. It's morphed two separate times since then. So we've got a much more detailed version of this character, a much uh, different look at the character. He has a more, he has a different personality, all kinds of stuff. It's going to be really great, and I'm very excited about that. And then we have Detective Case One, which is going to be a different story uh, about Detective in his first uh, his first on-screen case we get to see. So I'm not sure what that one's going to entail because I haven't written a script for it. I haven't worked on that one. I've been trying to finish up The Hooded Man as far as everything like that goes. But that's kind of what we got going on as far as Shirley Boy Entertainment in our plans and that's supposed to come out the detective case one's supposed to come out between november and january 2024 2025 so uh, i'm not sure exactly which month we're going to get that in but we've scheduled it for november trying to have a very positive uh viewpoint for it and hopefully we are able to get it in november that would be great but if not december or january would be our next uh time frame but that is the history of uh, Shirley Boy Entertainment. So guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode of the show. A little look inside the mind of the guy that runs the show for Shirley Boy Entertainment. The guy that makes these episodes of the podcast. You know, kind of brief history of me and some of the things that I like a lot. Um, on the next solo episode, which will not be the coming up sixth episode, but the seventh episode... I may give y'all a little treat and show you some of the music that I've done. Uh, I may do something else. I'm not entirely sure, so keep an eye out. We've got several things that I can talk about that I haven't talked about yet. One of them being music. The other one being, uh, another one being my favorite show of all time, Community. And I have a full podcast already lined out for that. I just don't know how I'm going to break it down um, as far as what I'm going to say, so... I hope you guys enjoyed this episode, and I can't wait to do this again. Uh, keep an eye out next Monday for the Glenn Lewis Superman episode. It is going to be great. I am very excited about it. It is going to be a fun time. Uh, trust me when I say this. And I can't wait to talk to you guys again. Much love, as always. And again, like I said at the beginning, you are not alone. Don't be afraid to reach out to anybody. Drop me a line. Drop some comments if you have some topics you want me to talk about. And I will try to hit on those or I will try to respond to you the best as I can. Thanks, guys. Y'all have a wonderful rest of your day, evening, or night, depending on when you're listening to this. And we will talk very soon.